You are listening to The Recap with Rob. My name is Rob. This is a separate segment off of the Popcorn and Pop Culture Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Let's hit it. For this episode, we're going to recap 2017 and all of the films that I have seen. It was a good year. Hope you had a good year, too, and hope you're ready for this recap. Let's do this. All right, all right, 2017, what a year it was, and it was a big one for films as well. Just to, I just have to say right off the bat that I haven't seen as many films as I wanted to, so in case you're looking for some specific movies for me to be talking about during this episode, I might not hit upon it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's late in December, and I, you know, obviously, I don't get paid for doing this, so a lot of films I haven't seen, as big films like The Post, and Phantom Thread, and Florida Project, and Call Me By Your Name, I have not seen, uh, those are big names in the award season, I also have not seen other big films like, I haven't seen Blade Runner, I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok, I'm, you know, I'm not really a big superhero fan, so if you want, if you're here to, you know, if you want me to start mentioning Justice League throughout this recap, you're not going to hear it, okay? I'm going to break it down, but I have seen a lot of movies, I'm going to break it down, I'm going to talk about what I feel like were some of my favorite movies of 2017, some of my favorite movie moments, and just as a whole, and I think I'll start with that. As a whole, 2017, in my opinion, was a lot stronger in a year for cinema as its previous year, 2016. I think we have a lot more movies that are taking chances. I think we have a lot stronger characters and stronger stories being told this year than last year. Um, and that's good. I think that's really, really good. I think we're going in the right direction. Hollywood is looking to be, you know... To have more diversity in their figures and their characters and their directors and in their stories. And I think we have to just start off the bat by saying that Wonder Woman was one of the biggest films of 2017. And, you know, Mike and I, Mike is the other, Mike Sheen does the, the popcorn and pop culture podcast with me. Him and I both did not think that Wonder Woman was going to be as big of a hit and as big of a success story as it was during this summer and during this year. Wonder Woman is one of the only female-driven superhero films of all time, at least from what I can remember. I think there's, what, Catwoman, and there was Elektra with Jennifer Garner. I'm not sure if there's any more or if there's that many more, but all of them failed, failed miserably. But for some reason, Wonder Woman actually was a super success this year. And I watched the movie. Like I said, I don't enjoy superhero movies, but I did have to watch this movie because of the success that it was gaining. And yeah, it was a very, very strong film. And I think it's just important because it had a it had a female superhero character. This is now a character that you know little girls can have can look up to in the same perspective and the same scope that little boys dress up as Captain America or Batman or Spider Man when they're little for Halloween. You know girls should have that type of character, that superhero, that powerful icon that saves the day that they can look up to. And I think Wonder Woman is doing that perfectly fine right now. So I'm really happy that that was a success. I'm really happy also that Patty Jenkins, a female, was able to direct 
this film as well because that really puts a bigger stamp onto, you know, girl power and the way that she was able to capture the film, capture the essence of Wonder Woman, I thought was just excellently done. So even though one, I'm going to soon you know, count down my top 10 list, even though Wonder Woman is not on my top 10 list, it was still a, a very enjoyable and very good movie. And more importantly, it was good for Hollywood and good for superhero movies in general to have Wonder Woman as such a success. Um, I'm going to continue by saying that 2017 was really, really progressive because we had movies that maybe... Maybe are just movies that we're used to seeing or movies that we've seen before. But 2017, some of these specific films have these type of traditional storylines or traditional genres, but done in such a different way that makes it stand out from the rest of the pack from those films of the same genre. And I'm talking about... We had some diversity with Coco, which is a which is Pixar's latest film, and I love this film. And I was skeptical going into it because because of its its being a, a Pixar film, and they're known for their great films. But they are a studio, and it is a bunch of basically old middle aged and old white dudes making these films, and they're excellent films. But I'm like, how much are they going to know, and how? authentic is Coco going to be because the whole film was about a Latino family and uh, the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, that they specifically surround their entire plot on. So I was skeptical going in, but they were able to hit a home run with this film. Loved Coco a lot. It is on my top 10 list, so you'll see where. And I think that was important. It was important to for Pixar to have its first family that is a non-white family involved in a film. That being said, I think movies like The Big Sick, too, are really important to celebrate diversity, celebrate different cultures and their traditions. And The Big Sick was the um, comedy drama by Kamal Nanjiani about his true life story, about him and his wife Emily, and it was a remarkable film and i just i just i was amazed that this film was even made and i was amazed by how successful this film became because i would have never thought that you know this this comedian this pakistani actor and writer and comedian would star in his own independent film about being in a you know a multicultural relationship and that being said, you know, it was really funny. It was really heart-touching. And it was just everything that I loved in a film. But it's, like I said, it, it felt like a Judd Apatow film. But it was just done in a different way. And that different way really kind of makes all of the difference sometimes. Um, in addition to that, I think movies with um, female-driven characters like Lady Bird was... Again, a great accomplishment for this type of uh, this type of genre, this type of year that 2017 was. Lady Bird. We have this, you know, coming of age story, and directed by Ger uh, Greta Gerwig, a female starring Saoirse Ronan and you know her character's mom, uh, played by Laurie Metcalf. We have female power nonstop in this movie, and this movie is 
the highest um, rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes of this year. So that is excellent. We are moving past only male-centric films now, and we're going into films like Lady Bird, like Wonder Woman, that we can present see these strong characters and at the same time have these strong female directors behind it so that's important and i think films like get out was insanely important too in 2017 and i was talking about how films of similar genres or you know movies of the same genre were done differently this year but get out was an exception to that because get out is a genre breaking film that it's a horror it's a comedy it's political it's racial it's all of these things and it's so complex and it's so layered and it's such an excellent film all around jordan peele just just hit this one right out of the park as well and this was an important film. 2017 should be remembered as the year that all these films stand out from the rest of the pack because they are excellent and they are truly, truly a, just a work of art, every single one in their own way. So as you can tell, I really enjoyed the year of 2017 in movies. I'm going to take a quick break. Just take a sip of my tea, and when I return, I'm going to talk about my top 10 list. Alright, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Let's go. Alright, so I'm going to go down my top 10 list. My top 10 favorite movies of... 2017, and notice I'm not saying these are the best movies. I'm not saying these are objectively the top 10 best movies of 2017. I hate it when people do that. And um, so these are my favorite movies of 2017 because every list is subjective. Every review, everything that we ever talk about with entertainment is going to be subjective. It's going to be based on your opinion. No two people have the same exact taste in anything, whether it's music, movies, TV shows, Broadway acts, anything. So... That being said, I'm going to try to do this as quickly as possible. I'm trying not to drag, drag this out, but let's go. My number 10 favorite film of 2017 was Logan. And talking about a film that stands out from other films of the same genre, Logan is a superhero movie in the X-Men universe. And it is amazing specifically because it doesn't feel like a superhero movie to me. And... Like I've already said in this podcast episode and in many past episodes, I'm not a big fan of superhero films. But Logan, this was a story based upon old man Logan from the comics, from the Marvel comics. And we have here Wolverine, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. He is getting old. He's getting tired. He's slow. He is slowing down. He's vulnerable. And I don't get the same sense that I did with him throughout his other films, throughout the you know, the X-Men films that he was involved in, he, he he's lost that edge, you know, he's lost that carelessness, that edge, that that young, crazy, chaotic mentality that he is this rogue superhero that just beats to his own drum. He's now understanding things in a much wiser and mature perspective, and he has to make some decisions that are going to impact himself, going to impact his friends, and going to impact the people that 
know him and that love him and people that surround him. And that being said, it is it is a great film. And on top of all these things that make it so much more powerful to me than any other superhero film, it is also rated R. So I was jumping on board with that Deadpool, thanks to you last year and the success that that had, Logan was able to become a rated R film. And that being said, that means the violence was ramped up. The, there was cursing, there was violence, it was gory, it was it was an awesome experience to watch Logan. Um, I've only seen it once, but excuse me, this is a film that I do want to rewatch, and I think it's just going to get better every single time I rewatch it. So this is a great film. My number t- ten film was Logan. Moving on, number nine was. The Shape of Water. If you haven't heard of it, it's Guillermo del Toro's new film. And he loves to do some weird things with his films. He loves monsters. He loves fantasies. And this is almost a fairy tale of sorts of misfits. You know, you could say it has a Beauty and the Beast type of love story going on. Where, you know, this female falls in love with... This beast, this monster, this uh, non-human creature. And great performances all around. You have Sally Hawkins, who is a mute. And she gives probably one of the best performances I've seen of someone that that doesn't even talk throughout the film. But that is, in addition to that, it's just more impressive knowing that she's playing a character that doesn't talk. And yet you know exactly what she's feeling at all times. You know what she's going through. You know when she's mad, when she's sad, when she's happy, when she is frustrated. And you and she's the main character. So she's almost in every single scene in this film. Great, great performance. I thought Michael Shannon was very, very effective. But Richard Jenkins, the supporting character from uh, Sally Hawkins here... Is I mean, he's good in everything he does, and he is one of the best subtle actors there are, meaning that it doesn't seem like he's doing anything that's important. It doesn't seem like he's he has any of these flashy moments that's going to get him all of the Oscars, but he is just so excellent in everything. And if you just watch a movie with Richard Jenkins in it and only watch him, ignore everything else that's going on, he is always just spot on, doing the right thing. Everything is motivated by his character. Everything, every line that he delivers, he delivers it the exact way the character would. And that is just exceptional acting on his part. The Shape of Water, like I said, I'm going to say it's not for everyone. Everyone won't enjoy it. I enjoyed it, but obviously I didn't put it in my top five list. It just cracked my top ten. Um, I do want to rewatch it. I thought things were a little... A little convenient here and there. It, it, it is a fairy tale. It's it's gonna have that type of flow to it, but it is a movie that is worth seeing because Guillermo del Toro just has such skill behind the camera, and his stories are just so beautifully told. Um, it's a it's a it's a great film. One of the best films of the year. All right, moving on. My number eight film. My number eight. Favorite film of the year is Mudbound. This is a movie that all Netflix subscribers can watch because it was bought by Netflix to have the distribution rights, meaning Netflix released this movie on Netflix along to a week-long run at the movie theaters. And that being said, I'm kind of happy and sad about that. I'm happy because 
when this movie was first released, I was able to watch it that very day without paying anything extra, without paying 12 or 13 bucks to see it in a theater. But this was such a good movie that I, oh, after this movie was done, maybe even during the movie, I was, I just, I just, oh man, to myself, I was like, I wish this movie was in the theaters, and I wish I was sitting down in the, in the, in a movie theater right now, big screen, surround sound, darkness, quietness, no distractions, and I just wish I was just totally eating up this film in a movie theater. Mudbound is such a strong, strong movie it is a total drama it's told through the perspective of different characters but more specifically two families a white family and a black family this is told post um slavery era but still i think the uh, the world war and it just it just dives into that racial segregation how people of color have it a lot harder even though they that even though slavery was abolished, and just how this small southern town treats those um, that come back from war differently than those fighting in war in Europe and so forth. It had a great ensemble cast. It, is, it was not surprising to me at all that it was nominated for a SAG, a SAG ensemble for the best film of the year because this is truly an ensemble cast. And even though it's really hard to pick out individual performances that stand out, I would say that Carrie Mulligan's performance was exceptional. And I've been a big fan of her ever since An Education, but she gives a great performance, a very quiet performance, but a powerful and an intimate one. We also get a great performance from Mary J. Blige, whom I did not know was in the film until the film ended and I saw the, the credits were rolling. And I'm like... Wait, Mary J. Blige was in this movie? Who was she? And I'm like, oh my gosh, she was the wife, you know, Jackson's wife. And I'm like, that is crazy. I, did, I had no idea it was Mary J. Blige. She gave such a, an incredible performance. If, you just have to watch her performance alone to watch this movie. But in addition to that, this movie was very powerful. There were some really difficult um, aspects to watch about this film. There was some really intense, violent scenes. Um, and this movie is just uncomfortable to watch if you're not comfortable. You know, obviously it's supposed to be uncomfortable to watch because there is a lot of racial hatred throughout this film. Um, but that being said, I think it's really, really worthwhile to watch. It's not too long. And Adiris directed this movie impeccably. It was so good. She is such a talented director. I can't wait to see what she does next. So Mudbound was my number eight film. Moving on to number seven, I kind of talked about this film already, but Coco is my seventh favorite film of the year, Pixar's latest. What I really like about this film is that in addition for it being the first you know, uh, you know, know, non-white family showed on a Pixar film, and it really dove into Latino culture, it, in a way, if I were to summarize this film, it was mainly about family. And it's it's important that every single family... Everyone, whether you're white or Asian or Latino or African-American, everyone, every single individual family, you're going to have your own traditions. You're going to follow a bigger cultural culture and that is going to be, that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of traditions passed down through your culture. But even no matter what your culture and what your race is, you're going to have some family traditions that you do. And it's important that family 
comes first in many occasions, especially with traditions. And Coco, um, the main character, was Miguel, a, a young boy that is trying to embrace his Latino heritage with uh, the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, to honor those who have passed. <clears throat> but at the same time, he's trying to really... trying to understand why his family is so against something that he loves so much. And he's, he's, he's at a crossroads here. He's like... Do I respect my family and ignore all of my dreams of becoming a musician? Because he loves music, but based on based upon something that happened with his, you know, great 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 grandfather and grandmothers, like music has been basically banished from his family. So it's it's a really touching story about uh, about that about the coming of age story and. On top of that, it is a visual masterpiece. It is so dazzling. It is so energetic in its colors. We go into the land of the dead, and I'm telling you, there are some amazing visuals here. Kudos to the animation team of Pixar to do another spectacular job at their visuals. So, Coco is my number seven spot. My sixth favorite film of the year is War for the Planet of the Apes. Now, if you don't know me, I love this trilogy. I loved all of these um, these prequels to the Planet of the Apes film from the 60s. And that being said, this was the finale. This is a trio. This is the third installment of this franchise. And it was, it was something that I wasn't expecting because the title called War for the Planet of the Apes is kind of insinuating that there's going to be an all-out war between humans and apes. It was not really that at all. This was a very small film. This was, at times, it felt like a western. They're they're just horseback and is traveling across you know all of the lands, just trying to get from A to B. And it's very slow moving in the beginning, and and then it becomes kind of this prison break film. And I'm not gonna spoil the film at all, but I'm just saying that it's not an all out war film. And when you watch the film, you're going to be surprised who is actually at war with each other. And then there's this moment towards the end of the film, maybe with like 20 or so minutes left, that really just took my breath away. Like I, it's the it's one of the it's one of the main scenes that I still remember from 2017, and I was my jaw dropped, and I'm like, wow, that was. Number one, it was just visually stunning, and number two, for for what it represented. I thought it was great. And then, like I said, this kind of leads into eventually the Planet of the Abyss films, the, the classic from the, the 60s. So, one more thing before I move on. War for the Planet of the Apes is such an important film because we got to see a film from this franchise that was not in the human perspective. We saw this entire film was in the perspective of the apes and we haven't had it yet in this franchise and we haven't had those type of films basically at all like how many movies that include humans don't have humans as the main character as the perspective you know you, you whether it's that one human fighting against all of the aliens or you know whatever that there's going to be a human character or at least a character that maybe is an animal or maybe a toy that is that has human qualities but these apes you know they are fighting for their lives they're fighting for their their livelihood to stay alive and 
they we see it we see them struggle we see them band together we've seen we've seen them fall we've seen them rise and now finally they they're at their their ends meet and they're trying to just they're trying not to get ex- obliterated and they're trying not to become extinct throughout this storyline and it is such an accomplishment um you know, you're always going to hear the name of Andy Serkis throughout these type of films. And he does a great job at becoming Caesar himself. And, you know, there's no award that he can get for this performance and all of these performances throughout Lord of the Rings and Planet of the Apes. But he just deserves a round of applause for the work that he puts in all of these movies. All right. Okay, I'm sorry, this is going a little long. Number five, my number five favorite film of the year is Get Out. I'll, I'll go by this real quickly because I already talked about it. It is just a genre-breaking film. It is Jordan Peele's film. It is a film that really addresses racial tension and it's very political. It's very satirical as well. It's funny at times, especially one specific character who is such an important character and in addition to its uh, his comedic value, he is a very important character. And just this film, I just can't believe this film was made. This film was just is just a masterpiece from beginning to end. And I've seen this film probably four or five times, and it does not get old. And it is a great film. That's why it's my number five. Number four is Lady Bird. Lady Bird is just, even though it's a film about you know specifically a mother and daughter relationship and a high school senior who you know is gaining it all of that stress and all of those feelings that you got when you were graduating from high school and looking for colleges and trying to get in like that, that that's like a prime time in your life you know this so that's why this was such a perfect coming of age story because we have ladybird here played played you know spectacularly by Sarah Shea Ronan and we have just Lady Bird just trying to find out who she was you know she's just like you know what kind of boys do I like do I like dating do I like sex and how awkward can that be where do I want to do I want to live in this town my hometown the rest of my life do I want to leave as soon as possible why if I do leave where do I want to go who are my friends are they really my friends but these guys these kids are so much cooler should I you know Betray all my friends just to hang out with these, just to become cool in the class. Like there's so many things that just remind you of yourself, reminds you of you as a teenager. And what's so interesting is that whether you're a teenager or a young adult or a parent or middle age or even just a senior citizen, you can find this movie very relatable every single person can and this is why this movie is so strong it's it's doing really really well on the award circuit it was critically acclaimed and the general public loves it too this might be the only film of the year of past many years that everyone kind of mutually the consensus is that everyone loves this film and i truly love this film Moving on, my number three film of the year is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I love this film. It's Martin McDonough. And this film, I think, might have the best acting performances all around. Like I said, with Mudbound, it's no surprise that this film was nominated for a SAG ensemble for best film of the year. Because from Francis McDormand to Sam Rockwell to Woody Harrelson to even Lucas Hedges and the smaller characters in this film... Everyone gives a standout performance, and I would not be surprised if it gets 
maybe three Oscar nominations for acting alone. Um, <clears throat> that being said, Martin McDonough has this very dark comedy vibe. It feels like a it feels like a knockoff off of the Coen Brothers, and that's not a bad thing. If there's anyone you want to knock off, you better make it one of the best. You know director or directing team in our generation and so to knock off the Coen brothers you have to have a lot of talent as well and i think martin mcdonough does this perfectly and that being said fargo was one of my favorite Coen brothers films and this was kind of heralded as they knew fargo it's a great film um it it has some minor twists and turns throughout there are people that don't like this film and there are very passionate people that say that this is a garbage film, that there's so many plot holes, there's so many problems with the characters' motivations, and there's so, there, the dialogue is weak, and the, the ending, it, 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 you know, it leaves you with a lot more than where you started. And you can make your argument, that's fine, but in my opinion, this is just objectively a high-quality film. Like I said, the acting performances are great. I think the plot... The premise, the plot, and the story moves at a very good pace. It it hits upon all those major plot points that you need. And I think what's so impressive is that it develops its characters very well. And each character has their own flaws. Or there's not going to be that perfect character that saves a day. And there's, the, there's not going to be a character that you're truly rooting for throughout this film. Because everyone has their own flaws. Everyone makes their own mistakes. And that's just that's just to comment, just to comment that everyone is vulnerable. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone's human. You're not going to ever bump into someone that is perfect. That is, you know, Mother Teresa to say. So three billboards, highly recommended. My number two movie of the year is Dunkirk. What I loved so much about this movie was that it was an experience. And I said this to my friends, and I will say it to you now. If you have not seen Dunkirk in the movie theaters, I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I sympathize with you. That is the only way you should watch Dunkirk. In the biggest screen possible, IMAX theater, movie theater, Dolby Sound, everything. Dunkirk is an experience. It is unlike any other war movie that I've seen. You never... You never see face-to-face -face the enemy. There is not a villain that we're trying to kill. It is World War II, but we're not talking about those, those dictators and those generals as villains. We only know the bad guys as a whole. This is war. If they're shooting at us, they're the bad guys, but they're never really given a face. They're never even given a body for a lot of the times. And this movie kind of goes upon three different perspectives. It is it, it it cuts a lot. It's a little bit confusing to follow in the beginning because you're not sure of the time element and how much time is passing throughout each storyline. But it does all come together at the end. And like I said, it is it is just a film that you feel like you're in war. And this is just a really Christopher Nolan thing to do. He he is able to capture the essence of a battle, the essence of flying, you know, and, and, and fighting as a pilot, the essence of just being so overwhelmed with chaos and you're just trying to, to stay alive. <clears throat> Excuse me. So 
when I was watching this movie with my wife, she nudges me throughout the in the middle of the film, and she goes, "Rob, I think I seriously have some PTSD right now because I am so anxious. My heart is beating out of my chest. I'm sitting at the edge of my seat. Her her fingernails are digging into my hand. It is the most suspenseful film of the year. It is." Just such a visual masterpiece. I can't say enough good things about Dunkirk. All I can say is that you should definitely see it. And finally, my number one film. My favorite film. My number one film of 2017 is The Big Sick. I already mentioned it a little bit. But I'm going to talk about why I love it so much. And even though this might not be the best made film, quality-wise, you know... It is a movie that I have watched multiple times, so it definitely passes the rewatchability rewatchability test. It's a film that truly makes you laugh as much as it makes you cry. It is a true story, and it, it the cultural differences in this film, it just speaks to me so much. Because, for those who don't know, I married um, a woman who is not of my culture, not of my race. So... We had to, a lot of these things hit home for me. But even if it doesn't, this is just a a hilarious film. There's so many jokes, so many great one-liners, so many great performances that, you know, the, the beginning is just rapid fire with jokes and, and hilarious situations. And then finally when we hit the part of why it's called The Big Sick, I'm not going to give anything away, but there's a reason why it's called The Big Sick. And... Then we dive into more important things and the importance of the plot and how, you know, the connection with humans is just so, so important, but so fragile at the same time. And it takes time to gain trust with one another. And even when you build up trust, it just takes a split second for all that trust to come shattering down on you. And so there's some really there's some really nice questions being asked here and some issues that you know all of us one way or another whether it's because of a tragedy or because of anything else we're going to have to face some really difficult things throughout our lives and it's it, it builds character on how each of us every single individual how we handle these difficult situations do we have family to back us up do we have friends to be there and support us when we need it? If we don't, then how do we deal with this on our own? And, you know, for those that aren't in relationships, you know, how can you possibly open yourself up and embrace a stranger or someone that you don't really know that well? And I don't know, there's just so such great, great elements in this film. I love this film from beginning to end. It is one that I cannot recommend enough, and it is without a doubt going to be the film from 2017. I can honestly, I can say hands down that I'm going to watch the most. I'm, I've already watched this film probably six, seven times, and I guarantee you this is going to be a film that I watch at least twice a year until the day I die. So, The Big Sick gets my stamp of approval as my favorite film of 2017. Well, that's that. Thank you for listening. This has been The Recap with Rob. Um, check us out on Twitter. You know, I think we're at Popcorn Podcast. And uh, check us out on our blog, popcornandpopculture.wordpress.com. Peace.